0: The Galloping Pony, an American spirit, all power, all performance,
1: all styling, all electric, an icon reimagined, the all electric Ford Mustang Mach-E, for the head and the heart, Ford, bring on tomorrow, search Mustang Mach-E. Welcome to the Tales from the Bay podcast. I'm Larry Kruger, joined by Ryan Smith, as we transition from week six into week seven in the National Football League, 49ers, ride coming off of a rough loss in Atlanta, 28-14, and it's a quick turnaround because the Chiefs roll into Levi's on Sunday, and so uh, today in the podcast, we'll look back at the Falcons loss. We'll look ahead to the Chiefs game coming up this weekend, and we'll also mix in a few other things in between Um, but um, give me your takeaway from last week's game 28
2: 14 Falcons get the win in Atlanta you know it's it's one of those extra frustrating games because I wish I could be super pissed at some at at somebody whether it's Jimmy G or Kyle or you know some particular players (sighs) you know maybe this sounds like uh, maybe I'm a little bit of a Kyle defender or Jimmy defender but I kind of felt like it was just one of those games, man. It it just started off and the Niners could not play their game. They played the Falcons game and credit to Arthur Smith and Mariota. And I mean, that is, that's a well-coached team. and, And it just seemed like, I mean, after the Jeff Wilson fumble immediately got brought in for a score, you know, the Niners went away from the run. Their defense still was good considering how many people they had out, but, um, you could kind of tell they didn't have, uh, they didn't have that, you know, hockey, uh, line to just keep running in there, you know, running people off the field, running people in. Uh, so it didn't seem like the boys were as fresh and it was just death by a million paper cuts. It was just three yard run, three yard run. Okay. You know, third and two, third and three, uh, either another run Mariota, a little five yard pass to the tight end or Mariota scramble. Um, And it was just one of those tough games. And it's a really big bummer because, you know, now they've got the Chiefs and then they're playing a desperate Rams team uh, in L.A. off of a bye. So this this becomes a very big week. And yeah, uh, what were your thoughts about the week? uh, Well, I mean, I I think my first thought
1: is credit uh, Arthur Smith, who executed a great game plan. They ran it 40 times. Uh, They used the quarterback to open the run lanes. They took very few chances with the football. And uh, they dominated the time of possession. And they, you know, they looked at a 49er defense that was down six defensive starters, no Bosa, no Kinlaw, no Armstead, no Jimmy Ward, no Al Shair, no Mosley. Um, and the Niners, and and they, you know, they played ball control, and they Atlanta ran it effectively um, with Algier and Huntley. And I thought Mariota was absolutely the greatest I've ever seen him play. Um, and the 49ers badly needed their offense to carry the day with a half dozen guys uh, down on their defense and they also needed Brandon Ayuk to step up with a career day now Ayuk did he had uh, two touchdowns it was probably one of the best games of his career it was the first time in his career has had multiple touchdowns in a game so he stepped up but overall the offense uh, did not and you know there's lots of different ways to look at a football game they were minus three in turnovers the 49ers were and that's the second time this year they were a minus three in turnovers and they've lost both those games you know they they were minus three in denver and lost they were minus three in atlanta and lost and the bottom line is you just don't win in the nfl on the road or against any decent team if you're minus three in turnovers uh charlie warner had a huge drop down the field that could have easily changed this game ray ray mcleod Likewise, another guy with a huge drop down the field uh, that could have changed the game. Jake Brendel had three bad penalties, including one that negated a big pass play from Garoppolo to Ayuk, which would have changed the game. And I just think the other frustrating part, and I guess the, the part that was probably the most frustrating, was the Niners' offense's inability to play hurry up um, in, in the late third and early fourth quarter when they clearly needed to speed it up. They were down two. tight. Touchdowns. They were still calling running plays on second down, you know, second down on the 45 yard line with five minutes to play, down two touchdowns. So I felt like they missed out on the urgency of the moment. And then let's credit Mariota. He had an incredible career day. He completed 93% of his passes against the number one defense in the NFL. He was flawless. He had one incompletion all day. Um, He ran it. He had three or four play fakes that were so good that they fooled the cameraman. Um, and, And you saw the cameraman going with the back and Mariota would keep it. Or they went with Mariota and he handed it off to the back. I mean, he literally carried out some of the best play fakes I've seen in a while. So overall, I would just say, You know, um, Atlanta had a great game plan against a decimated defense. The Wilson, you know, fumbled deep in their own territory, which turned into six, dug them a huge hole. They did jump out of it. But I just thought Atlanta, you know, was incredibly well coached. Uh, They committed to the run. They had 40 runs and they dominated the time of possession, and Mariota was very, very good on third down, 9 of 14 on third downs. He was 13 of 14 on the day for 129 and two touchdowns. Uh, Kyle Pitts made a few plays. Drake London made a few plays. Atlanta outrushed the Niners 168 to 50, and the 49ers got away from the run in this game. Uh, even when they tied it up, they really went away from the run. If you look at the Niners, they, I think they, they kind of fell into our Arthur Smith's trap with 16 runs and 41 passes. Um, IU had a good day. Kittle had a pretty good day. Uh, Debo had a decent day as well. But overall, the Niners had more total yards than Atlanta. Atlanta only had 121 passing yards, but Atlanta took very few chances and they really um they saw a wounded Niners defense that was down a half dozen starters, and um they kept them on the field. And and as you said, you know, death by a million paper cuts. So great game plan by Arthur Smith. Tip your cap to him. Great uh performance by Marcus Mariota who's trying to establish himself in the NFL. And other than that, I thought the Falcons did just enough to win. So tough loss for the 49ers, but you know, the old saying, that's why they get paid as well. I think that that stands for Arthur Smith. I think he's obviously a bright coach, uh, always had a strong running game in Tennessee and he's a former offensive lineman. He appreciates, uh, you know, blocking. They've got a really good underrated offensive line in Atlanta and they executed a game plan that was near perfection. So um, Bottom line is you can't be minus three in turnovers. You can't have drops, penalties, and and turnovers and win games on the road against good teams. And I think that's the other thing is that this Atlanta team. I think we came in thinking it's not a good team, but it is a good team, and they're going to go to the playoffs in the NFC and they're going to upset some teams along the way. Um, and two years from now, if they continue building, they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. So a lot the arrows pointing up on Atlanta, um, and um, they've covered every single game this year they're the only team in the nfl to do that so clearly they've got more to their game than what las vegas believes and what the betting public believes um and they just carried out a tremendous game plan and got a got a got a nice win over a good 49er team
2: yeah i mean they they really earned my respect with that win uh it's kind of a weird trend we're seeing in the nfl across the league it's like these offenses that aren't really able to get going and then and not you know not too many games with you know all these massive uh, game-changing explosive plays and so you're seeing these teams uh like the giants coached by dayball or arthur smith's uh falcons or hell i mean to an ex- oh to, to an extent you know bailey zappy in the patriots i mean they even hung in that that packers game it's kind of they're just like playing you know what we know that we're, we don't have Aaron Rodgers. We know we don't have Tom Brady. We know we don't have Patrick Mahomes. So what we're going to do is we're going to make as little mistakes as possible, and we're just going to not lose this game. And sometimes that's enough. You know, if you hang around an NFL game, it, you know, you you can end up winning. the. I mean, it's you see it every week, uh, the Jets. Um, so I, I felt like I, it was kind of weird. It was sort of the first time in the Shanahan Era, at least that i can remember when they've had a you know jimmy g as a quarterback that it felt like they got that they they had the script flipped on them where atlanta was just the tougher team uh they ran the they they committed to the run and never got away from it and they just yeah they just they were kind of bullies they kind of bullied the niners there was no like play in particular where you're like oh man that crazy 55 yarder to drake london touch no it was just three yards three yards three and they were just so comfortable doing it um so yeah you just got to give them credit it just gets it's just frustrating because now the niners are three and three and i don't know i i, I mean i'm still super positive about this team it's just <laughs> i i I really i'm kind of at a loss for words i mean i know shanahan in the presser he was sort of like look it was simple you know we we lost the turnover battle uh you know the jeff wilson fumble was brutal and couldn't really just couldn't really get it going and it's almost like kyle's game plan coming in seemed like it might have been similar to the falcons where it was like all right we have a banged up defense let's run the ball take care of it you know let's not do anything too crazy and you know, the, getting down 14, and yes, they tied it right back up, but uh, it just seemed like after Mariota scored that touchdown at the end of the first half, uh, I don't know. Kyle was kind of spooked about, for whatever reason, he didn't want to stick with the run, and it's just weird. That, that is one weird thing I'll ask you Lair. I still haven't heard, like the, per- like, the answer that really leaves me satisfied as to why they went away from the run, because you could tell me the Jeff Wilson fumble, but – they had other running backs. They had Ty Davis Price active. They had Tevin Coleman active. They had Jordan Jordan Mason active. They continued to roll uh, Jeff Wilson out there. So they clearly still trusted him. Um, yeah, it's just just kind of interesting.
1: Well, I mean, and the other thing that, you know, we always talk about oh, you know, team, you got to make plays to win in the NFL. But you have to make plays, but you also have to avoid negative plays. And I think that the more football I watch, the more I realize that avoiding negative plays is maybe a bigger key to winning than making big plays. Um, you look at what Tom Brady has done, even what Patrick Mahomes has done. Um, you look at some, you know, where's Mahomes struggled? He struggles when he turns it over over. Uh, When's Mahomes really dangerous? When's Brady really dangerous? When they throw it away and go on to the next play. And they show that patience and that discipline to kind of avoid negative plays. And the Jeff Wilson play was a hugely negative play. It was an offensive play that wind up in, in a seven point turnaround for the Falcons. And then the 49ers had three turnovers on the day. And, and so they had negative plays and those negative plays cost them the game where Atlanta didn't have a lot of positive plays. But they just avoided negative plays and they didn't have the crushing penalties and they didn't have the crushing turnovers and they didn't have a a turnover on offense that resulted in points or change field positions. So the more I watched the NFL, the more I realized that, yes, you want to make big plays if you can. But maybe more important than making big plays is avoiding big negative plays. And the Falcons did it expertly. They really did. And they're going to win more games if they continue to do that. And the 49ers, you know, they've got three losses this year. Um, two lo- In two of the losses, they were minus three in turnovers. And I'd love to see the stats on the history of the NFL. When you're minus three in turnover margin, what, what's the chance of winning? It's probably it's like 10%. Percent. Yeah, I mean, you probably got a 5% chance of winning. So that's a big part of it. Then they lost one game this year where they had a ton of penalties and really lacked discipline. So that's their three losses right there two three turnover games where there are minus three in turnovers and another game where there was a monsoon in the second half and they had just all kinds of penalties so to me you can talk about the keys to winning each and every sunday and it starts with avoiding turnovers and penalties and if they can do it then you can move on to the next factor and see if you got a chance to win but if you can't do those things you aren't going to win and um and I think that's what we're really what we saw here. And then credit Mariota. I thought Mariota was spectacular. And, I, you know, in a lot of ways, I think we got a glimpse at what I think the 49ers would someday envision Trey Lance to be able to do for them. Is that, you know, the presence of Mariota and his unbelievable ball fakes and, you know, the defense's inability to decipher at the mesh point who exactly had the ball. Um, it, it slowed down the 49ers incredibly pursuit, which is the best in all of football.
2: That's what Greenlaw told us today. He said, you know, it's frustrating because it slowed down the defense.
1: Slowed down their pursuit, and it makes you just pause. It makes you study the mesh point, so you can't just go flying all over the place. You have to be very disciplined. Now, did the 49ers defend Mariota in that run game well? At times, they did. In the second half, they made adjustments. They shut the whole thing down for the most part, but he had a big run in the first half that extended a dri- extended a drive and led to their third touchdown of the day, um, and he had a couple of plays where you know they got into a. They, I'll give the Falcons credit; they got a lot done on first down against the number one defense, and they they got into a lot of really short and very manageable second downs, and then that put a lot of pressure on the run D on second and short, third and short. Is Mariota going to keep it? Is he going to at the mesh point? Is he holding it? Is he handing it off? Um, he he, you know, uh, one time Drake Jackson lost contain on him, a couple times Womack lost contain on him, um, you know, EbuCom lost contain on him once. So credit. Credit the Arthur Smith for a great game plan. Credit Marcus Mariota. Uh, The 49ers, I think we've been asking this question. If you keep taking pieces away from their defense, when does it become not the number one defense? And I think we found the answer. You know, you take six starters away, and it's no longer the number one defense. So they need to get, the 49ers now need to get healthy. They need to lick their wounds and get back out there because uh, the one thing that you know is that Andy Reid might be the best play caller in the game and Mahomes might be the best quarterback in the game and the Chiefs that may have the most explosive dynamic creative offense in the game and they're going to be at Levi's Sunday it's alumni day there's gonna be a lot of great X niners in the house Uh, that only ups the ante for you know the expectation level for how the 49ers are going to play history shows the 49ers typically bounce back under Kyle Shanahan Uh, the Chiefs have struggled a little bit as a favorite so you know I I think it's going to be a competitive game but it's going to be a challenging game and if the 49ers aren't really ready on both sides of the football really in all phase three phases of the game they could get embarrassed in their home stadium and I think they know it so I expect them to be, you know, to face this game, you know, with the sobering reality that the chiefs can blow you out in your backyard and make you look bad. And I I think they want to avoid that. So I think Kyle and and D'Amico and the coaching staff on both sides of the ball, they're going to have everybody's attention this week as they prep for Kansas city.
2: Absolutely. And the last thing I'll say about this game is I felt like the, that, you know, everyone's pointing out the eight minute drive at the end of the game. And I felt like that was, it was a bit of a microcosm for the game because in a way it's sort of like, well, it's not that it was a bad drive. It was just a lot of really untimely things happened, you know, in this game that they found themselves in it, they sort of at least I felt watching it, I felt like, you know what, something they're going to need something to kind of break lucky for them. They're going to need to, you know, get an interception returned into the the red zone or, you know, some big fumble or, you know, a big giant sack on third down. And it just never really came on the defensive side. And then on the offensive side, it just seemed like every time they were starting to build a little bit of momentum and rhythm on that drive and throughout the game, it was – you know, it was either a drop or it was, you know, a penalty that negated it or a penalty before, you know, when it's first down and you're trying to get tempo going and all of a sudden it's like, boom, another penalty on Brendel. Now it's first and 15. Now we got to kind of take our time here. It it just, it was, it was just a very frustrating game. And sometimes you just, sometimes you just don't get the breaks. And I think Atlanta did everything possible to make sure that they, that, that the that the the breaks there was no lucky breaks for the Niners and if you look i mean their penalties even on i think that the i think that the offense had three penalties and they were all on Brendel so there it wasn't like there was a crazy amount of penalties either it was just untimely very untimely yeah
1: i mean my biggest frustration in the game because as i said i mean you got to credit the other side sometimes and i thought Atlanta had a great game plan was the 49ers lack of urgency in the hurry up in on the on the the second to the last drive, they got the ball back with about ten and a half minutes. Uh, they really struggled to move it. You mentioned you kind of cited the penalties, but the second and ten run play from the. 46 yard line uh, with like five minutes left. I did not understand why they would run Tevin Coleman there. Uh, To me, they should have been in an all pass mode. And then later in that drive, they get into a third and one um, and they're inside the 20. And um Instead of going quarterback sneak, I thought maybe they would go pass because to stop the clock, but or quarterback sneak to get the easy first. Instead, they went Tevin Coleman on a halfback toss, and he lost a yard and a half. And then they got into a four and two and a half, and Garoppolo threw incomplete to Debo, and the ball game was over right there. So, um, I, if if there was one thing that I would like to see them do is use i thought the one thing atlanta did in this game clearly better than the 49ers um, was the use of tempo when atlanta felt like they had the niner defense on their heels in second and short second and third second and short and third and short they raced to the line of scrimmage you know put lots of pressure on the defense didn't let the defense adjust didn't let the defense read and react and ran a play and really i thought expertly you know used tempo to um you know to really grab hold of the game and then the 49ers in that second to last drive really needed to speed up their tempo and they seemed reluctant to do it and almost unable to do it and they seemed like the more the faster they played the more mistakes they made so that's that's a major concern this is a veteran offensive coach This is a veteran quarterback this is a you know largely a veteran offensive unit, uh, they have to be able to play fast when the situation calls for it. And in this game, they were seemed ill-prepared for it, and they seemed ill-equipped to, to go fast without making some mistakes, and they're going to have to correct that. So that was my takeaway. Other than that, I would say – wow, the Atlanta Falcons are one of the most underrated teams in football. And and I would say be careful, anybody who faces them going forward, uh, be careful for what they bring to the table because they're physical, and they're well-coached. they got a really good offensive line. They've got a mobile quarterback who's starting to get it, and you can see it. And, and they got a couple of really elite possession weapons in Drake London and Kyle Pitts. So the Falcons are not a Super Bowl contender this year. But they are on that path, and they—I would not be surprised if they could add some more dynamic uh, playmakers, like a running back, a couple dynamic players on both sides of the ball, add to their pass rush and their front seven. You know, two years from now, uh, they very well could be—you know—a Super Bowl caliber team. That's—I think—they're definitely pointing in the right direction.
2: Yeah, and that division's wide open. I think we all kind of felt like there's some weirdness with Brady coming into the season. And a lot of people were like pointing at the Saints. Some people were pointing at the Panthers. And I think everyone kind of just rode off the Falcons. And so, I mean, I think there's absolutely an opportunity for them to still win that division. I mean, they're tied at the top of it. Um, and one last thing, you know, I'm looking at the drive chart, um, and this is kind of what it felt like also. So, uh, starting with, okay, first and 10. Or, or okay third and 12 at the san francisco 44 with five minutes left so it's third and 12 jimmy completes a pass to brandon Ayuk for 14 yards good stuff now they go no huddle they go no huddle the very next play first and 10 at the atlanta 42 false start on Brendel. uh no play you know backs him up another five yards so then it's like okay well now we're, we're okay you know, we need to get some pace going, but Brendel just false started. Okay. Now let's take our time. Okay. Now they go shotgun. They pass it to Debo for one yard. Uh, he then would all better, a... He
1: would have been better off dropping that pass. I think they went 30 would... seconds into the next play.
2: You're, you're correct. And, but also um, then Atlanta uh, Hayward got injured or was just playing injured or whatever, but it, it kind of disrupted after that, that catch, it disrupted, you know, the no huddle rhythm then there was a timeout. Then the very next play, second and 14 at the Atlanta 46. Uh, Jimmy G, good pass to Kittle for 19 yards. Again, Oliver, Atlanta defender, was injured during the play. Also kind of stopped the momentum. Then very next play, 344 left. Jimmy G passed to Jennings. Uh, And then now they're at the Atlanta uh, 18. This is the next time they go no huddle. Well, Jimmy G rolls out. Kittle's wide open in the end zone. They have a he miscommunication overthrew him, him. that second and one. Then what you brought up the bizarre kind of just running Tevin Coleman that goes for negative one yard, the next play. Now it's fourth and two, and then it's an incomplete pass to Debo. So it was just a disjointed kind of, yeah. I feel like that really sums up the game.
1: I mean, I would say, you know, it's it was an interesting game from Garoppolo's perspective. He... Didn't make the huge mistake. I mean, like when I say that, uh, like the fir- the interception at the end of the first half, there was nine seconds left. He was yeah. throwing it up. Uh, you know, that the fact that there was an interception there, I don't even consider that an interception. The other one was a tipped ball, um, and anything can happen in a tip ball situation. But if you go back, there were three – or four sequences, big throws, um, that he was just a little, a little off on, you know, that pass to Debo there was behind him and he was a little bit low, you know, and that, that, that was the ball game right there. That was fourth down. If you go back to, uh, Garoppolo's, um, you know, pass, you know, a couple other drives, if you look at the Niner drives that ended and it was oftentimes there was a Garoppolo, um, pass, let's see, on th- was it third and five, he went to Wilson and it was also too low on their seventh drive. That that led to a punt. Uh Garoppolo threw to um uh who was it for six it was uh um Tevin Tevin uh or was it Tevin Coleman or was it Jawan Jenkins? Uh Juwan Jennings. I forget who it was, but on third and ten on the sixth possession he threw to Oh, he threw it to full, the fullback juice on third and 10, but he threw it for five yards and, you know, your fullback's not going to get a lot of run after the catch. So, you know, he just, he didn't make the plays when he needed to, Um, It wasn't necessarily that his turnovers were heinous it's that his ball placement in key situations in the game uh, were not was not there. And then when it was when he threw perfect dimes to Ray Ray and to Warner, those guys dropped him and those drops were crushing. So uh, the McLeod drop I mean you're talking about 60 70 yards of drops right there In fact if you take away the Brendel Penalty which negated the IU catch And then gave him the McLeod Catch and the Warner catch He probably threw for like 475 yeah. Yards in the game But you take all those things away And his numbers don't look quite as good So uh, his well, Also his completion percentage Was a little inflated because he did go yeah. like 5 for 5 on the final drive In yeah. garbage time so that kind of of changes things a little bit in his favor but overall i would say um you know this was this was was the falcons the
2: falcons won that game more than the niners
1: lost it in my mind
2: absolutely and last thing on jimmy for me is you know i think john madden said that a quarterback is kind of like deodorant well jimmy is a perfectly fine deodorant uh you can you can absolutely go out and uh, conduct business meetings wearing the jimmy garoppolo uh, deodorant probably you know you can get pretty high up in the company however there's going to be days where you know you're like a teenager with a little bo maybe you didn't have time to shower well if you have patrick mahomes if you have aaron Rodgers, if you have josh allen you throw that deodorant on you smell perfect but jimmy g Mm, you kind of need a shower you, you, you can't just throw on that he's not going to save the day he's not going to put the cape on and save the day and that's where it shows you have, you know it's not that not a knock on jimmy because jimmy is jimmy but it, it it's one of those moments where it's like dang you know this is where it, you know the mahomes the herberts the these guys that can you know they can they can make you know even crappy games they can they can pull them out somehow and jimmy just doesn't quite have that
1: well, and, and also it's it, you have, I mean, the Falcons went the entire day without making a hugely negative play. Um, the 49ers got to Mariota a couple times and sacked him, but he didn't turn it over. Um, they didn't have the crushing turnover. They didn't have the crushing penalty. They didn't have, you know, they played a cleaner game. And if you play a clean game, you give yourself a chance to win. 49ers um, made a crushing mistake. You know, they turned it over deep in their own territory. It cost them a touchdown. Um, They've got a really good defense, but if your offense, you know, if they score a touchdown on your offense, there's nothing your defense can do about it. So, You know, they were depleted on defense. It was a great game plan. Mariota was phenomenal on third downs. He was accurate all day. His play fakes were expert. um, And they just stayed with their game plan. And then the 49ers got away from the run. They probably, when they went back to 14-14, even when they were down 21-14, they probably should have stayed with the run. I guess if there would be, you know, it's it's funny. It's like if you say, well, what's your main complaint on the game? I would say the Niners got away from the run a little bit early in this game and then stayed with the run a little too late. So they they wasted some time on the clock staying with the run on their ninth drive but they probably didn't commit to the run enough in the meat and potatoes of the game after they fell behind. I think Kyle Shanahan got into a very pass happy mode and, um, you know, when you have six starters out on defense, you really shouldn't have a 40 pass 14 run type game. And that kind of leads us into the next discussion, which we'll get into about Kansas city. What is the game plan that will provide success in week seven at Levi's against the chiefs? The 49ers need to be more dynamic. There's no question. They need to be able to move the ball faster. They need to make bigger plays. Do you, you know, activate Danny gray and take, Take several shots down the field to Gray and Ray Ray McLeod and throw it all over the lot and try to, you know, compete with in an up tempo, uh, wide open game against the Chiefs uh, and turn it into a shootout? Or do you play, you know, ball control? And, um, you know, realize that you have six or seven defenders out and have that appropriate fear and run the heck out of the football and try to do what Smith did to you last week. You try to do that to Reed and company this week. You know, maybe limit the Chiefs possessions by running the football and committing to the run. And maybe the Niners have to come out with a 35 to 40 run performance to keep Kansas City's high-powered offense off the field. So uh, these teams played in the Super Bowl; they know each other well. Shanahan said uh, they asked him what was his takeaway from watching the Super Bowl again. He said, "We lost. We yeah. lost." That's <laughs> so salty. Yeah. So I mean, uh, what, there's no question.
2: That's but all ex- great stuff to marinate on, and I, you know, I'm 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 excited to get into it. Uh, it's going to be a lively lively uh, topic, I think. Uh, previewing the game uh, first, though, we did want to run through. Uh, a little mid-season check-in. Uh, you know, uh, I think we're, we're going to give out some mid-season awards. Well, they, and-
1: we're not mid-season. We're we're <laughs> we're third. We're a third of the way through the season. We're third like season. A, we're at the third. You know, the uh, the it's not even the quarter pole. It's more the third. The third. Th- you know, one third of the season is in the books, and we got two Tri- thirds of the season to go.
2: Yes, the trimester is that three. <laughs> there you I go. Thought, yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll give out our
1: one third oh. of the season awards
2: uh okay and then so with that i mean uh i'm thinking so i say we rattle off our midseason awards at real or sorry third of the season awards real quick and then also maybe throw out a projection for for what what you're thinking now uh you know like if you had to put money on it uh what, what would you who would you say is going to end up that, with each of those awards okay uh, i'll uh, i'll i'll let you go for i'll here i'll tee you up with the award you let me know uh your thoughts okay all right, let's start with MVP.
1: MVP, um, I probably you know it, it. That's an that's an interesting one. You've got. I probably would go Jalen Hurts. Really? Um, Just simply because the Eagles are the only undefeated team. Hertz is playing at a crazy high level. He's running the ball. He's showing leadership. Um, It's a very volatile market, and I think he's played well. I think he's played consistently well. I don't know if he's the best player in the league, but I think the Eagles at this point are the best team, and he's the leader um and they're doing a lot of good things on offense
2: and he's he's shouldering a big part of the load so i I would say jalen hurts so i I really like that and i as i was writing down my my uh third of the way through season awards i was like dang you know what this is not cool of me because i don't really have any eagles represented um so i agree i think that he would be number two for me in mvp right now i gotta give one to josh allen just because You know, I mean, the Bills are, what are they, five and one. um, And he took down Lamar, who at one point was maybe the leading guy. And then he out-dueled Mahomes. So maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, but I still got to go with with Josh Allen. And then as an interesting wrinkle, uh, I don't know if this has ever happened before. I'm giving one quarterback the MVP. I'm giving Jalen Hurts, this far into the season, the offensive player of the year. See, I,
1: I would flip it. I would go with uh, uh you know, I'd go with uh, Josh Allen as the offensive player and Hertz as the MVP. But Josh Allen, seventeen touchdowns and four interceptions thus far. So he he to me is producing. The most offense. I mean, um, and so I would I would give it to him. I I do think um, you know when you look at Hurts and Hurts also you know Hurts has only six touchdowns and two interceptions, um, and you know doesn't have doesn't have quite as good of stats, but it's a different different uh, you know game plan altogether offensively. So yeah, I'll give one the MVP, give the other the offensive player of the year, and uh, I'll go Hurts as the mvp and allen as the offensive player of the year
2: i like that i yeah i think those are two i think those are i were simpatico it could be honestly could go either way uh i don't how many rushing touchdowns does that guy have because it's got to be something crazy Uh, i'm trying to look it up right now jalen hurts rushing
1: uh he's been a huge factor for them in every phase i mean he, he's calm he's he's been under control i think he's shown great leadership um how about defensive player of the year who are you giving your award to uh
2: defensive player of the year. well and first he does have another six uh touchdowns on the ground so there, there that that helps the stats 12 touchdowns to two picks 12 total. Uh, okay. defensive player of the year. You know, I think most people nationally are going to say Micah Parsons, he gets right now in Vegas. He is even odds to win it. And that's part of that is obviously he gets the Cowboys bump. I'm still rolling with Bosa. I still think that Bosa, when he's been out there has been the most dominant defensive player. And I think he's been the best player on the best defense. And this is cheating a little bit, but look, they had one game where they looked like only an above average defense. All the other games they it looked like an all-time defense. That one game was when Bosa was out. So I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to our boy the bear, Nick Bosa. I'm going with
1: Von Miller. I think Von Miller, you know, he leads the NFL or he's like a second to Alex Highsmith with six sacks. And he's just, he's just a hell of a player. He just really is a a tremendous football player. And, you know, he can do it in multiple schemes and watching him in Buffalo and just, he, he gets key sacks. He just, he, you know, he's, he's got all kinds of tricks in his bag. You know, he's, he can beat you with speed. He can beat you with quickness. He can counter back. I just think Von Miller has been, he's a Hall of, future Hall of Famer. He's played at a crazy high level for years. And, you know, he, it, it's like he was in Denver, they won the Super Bowl. He was in LA, they won the Super Bowl. Uh, he's in Buffalo. If they win the Super Bowl, he'll have a huge hand in it. I, I think Von Miller's, you know, has oftentimes been kind of overlooked by other people for whatever reason, but I think he's the be- best defensive player in football right now. So I'm going to take Von Miller
2: and all his sacks. You know, he does. You know, Bo- I think Bosa has six. He has six. Crosby maybe has six, but t- Von Miller's have been timely. I feel like every time I've been watching these big Bills games that are coming down to the end, he he comes up clutch with some. You know, crazy pressure forcing a turnover or sack or you know, so I I, I don't you know I I can't hate on that. Um, what other reward do you want to go with? Uh, I was going to go offensive and defensive rookie of the year.
1: Um, I'm going to go defensive rookie of the year. I'm going to go with Tariq Woolen from Seattle. I mean, My he's God. a 6'4 corner, University of Texas, San Antonio. Really raw, but man, what a talent. Six four, long arms, sub-4, three speed. He's got the total package. He's got four picks. He leads the NFL in interceptions. He's just a th- absolutely thoroughly physically dominant uh, corner that can lock you up and you know i just think it was a terrific pick by john schneider uh, tariq woolen is just he's as good a um a corner a rookie corner as i've seen i just i really really like tariq woolen so i'll, I'll say woolen the corner out of seattle
2: uh i mean i really like that pick i kind of got i almost uh, this, and again this is probably not fair but I was looking at, I was looking at woolen. I was looking at sauce Gardner. Who's the, currently the favorite. And I was looking at Jack Jones of the Patriots. All yeah. of those guys have been playing really well. Uh, Jack, not that PFF is, you, you know, I don't know. I actually disagree with more PFF than I agree with, but they have him as the highest rated uh, defensive rookie right now. Uh, Jack Jones. So I kind of, i i'm putting all all three of those guys in sort of a tier by themselves i couldn't decide so i decided to go with a little bit of a wild card a position that doesn't normally win this this award because they don't get the big stats but i'm going with big jordan davis anchoring that defensive front for the eagles that's also i wanted to show some love to uh to the eagles um yeah i'm gonna go jordan davis he's not gonna win it because he's not gonna get the stats but He's just a freaking, it is so crazy (laughs) watching him uh, in that Cowboys game Sunday night. It's just, if he gets one paw on you, you are down. And I just couldn't help but think, man, that guy would be, he 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 plays a little bit of a lost position, you know, this sort of big run stuffer. And it's I'm just thinking, man, imagine if the Niners could a guy like oh,
1: that. he's a big he's a big kid. And there was a lot of talk, you know, how, how productive would he be? Um, and he's he's done it. I mean, he's been very, very productive. So there's nothing to say about him, for sure, negative. He's, you know, Philly in some ways has been the perfect market for him to go to, Um, you know, and he's fired. He shows up, he plays hard. Yeah, I really like him. As far as um, offensive rookies of the year? It's kind of a hard one. Yeah, I mean we're still kind much. of in the developmental it, stage yeah, a of this. It was, a, of it. it was a lot. I would say Charles Cross, the the uh, the offensive tackle for for Seattle. Yeah, I'm going Seattle twice here, but Charles Cross has played left tackle expertly. The Mississippi State rookie went ninth overall. I think he's been impressive. Drake London's been impressive. Garrett Wilson has been very very impressive. Um, and Jahan Dotson. Has gotten off to a really really nice start.
2: I mean, there's there's really a number of guys that that stand out. The, the backs are all kind of like the corners. It's like you know Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, um, hell Brian Robinson had a good good uh, had a pretty good week. Um,
1: Romeo Dobbs is playing well. Kenneth Walker yep. for Seattle is playing well. I mean, there's a number. I think Seattle had a really really good draft. I think Wandale, you know Wandale Robinson could have a very good year with the New York Giants. He just now has gotten healthy. Uh, Alec Pierce for the Colts, I think is going to have a very productive year before the year is said and done. Um, I'll tell you another guy, you know, on the defensive side that I really like that we, you know, talk too often is Drake Jackson I know uh, for the 49ers. I think he's getting nothing but better and better and better. But yeah, it's tough right now because nobody is, you know, Dulcich, the tight end from UCLA uh, really looks good. And I think he's he's going to have a terrific rest of his uh, rest of his rookie year. So there's a, there's a number of guys. I don't think anybody necessarily, Damian Pierce uh, yeah. for the Texans has been really good as a running back for the former Florida Gator. If I had to go with one, you know, Tyler Linderbaugh, uh, the Iowa, the Linderbaum, I should say, the uh, Iowa center starting for the Ravens. Um, I guess if I had, I'd probably go Charles Cross. I really like Jahan Dotson from
2: Washington. He's a little dinged up, but I guess I would go Charles Cross. See, uh, the, I, I the left love that you know what? That, that's the, that's the right pick because it's similar to the Jordan Davis. Neither of those guys are going to win the award because of the way, you know, the nature of the position. It's not flashy enough, but, you know, they, they need to be memorialized in some way. So I, I love the idea of going Charles Cross uh, as far as offensive rookie of the year for me. Uh, I was trying to think of who I mean, I, I guess I probably have to give it to Brees Hall just to involve the Jets somehow because they do deserve some love. You know, Bailey Zappi's is another guy I haven't mentioned, but I don't necessarily think he's going to continue being the starter the whole year. Um, and then my my guy going forward, though, is still Alec Pierce. I just it seems like he's starting to develop a chemistry with Matt Ryan. He's had some clutch, clutch games and. Uh, yeah, I think if he kind of uh, develops as, you know, sort of a fantasy out of nowhere guy, which he sort of is as as we speak, uh, I think that I think Alec Pierce has a legitimate shot. And I think he's like 16th or 17th in the odds right now.
1: All right. How about coach of the year? Who are you going with, with coach of the year?
2: I'm going day ball. I'm going Dayball. ball. Uh, you know, there's a couple. Again, it's like Sirianni. How can you not give it to him? He's six and zero. Oh, uh, you know, Arthur Smith is doing a freaking hell of a job. Uh, Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Even Belichick. If they win on Monday night, you know, it's like all of a sudden the you know one in three Pats that everyone was writing off and built Belichick. Uh, I'm going to go Dayball, though. Just I'm so so impressed. I cannot believe they are five and one it is it is they it's the, he i mean similar to arthur smith except you know they have more wins and they're beating good teams and they have that city believing and i'm just i just i'm buying into i'm buying into everything he's, he's selling I, I how about i know people were making fun of him for i forget which game it was where they were doing the whiteout uh in new york and it, that's a little bit of a college move but it's it, i'm just all all about day ball and daniel jones the fact that he salvaged it, uh, that guy and he's got Saquon playing well and yeah I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with Dayball
1: um, I could go Arthur Smith I could go Dayball um, I could go Sirianni I think uh, all those guys have been really really good um, I could even throw a vote towards Sala or even the Bills head coach but I'm gonna go with Bill Belichick I like like Bill Belichick. I think Bill. When you look at you know they got they got Bailey Zappi at quarterback. Um, They don't have a great collection of offensive weapons, but they now have a dominating run game. He traded for Cole Strange. He he found a guy that he could plug and play in his offensive line. They're running the hell out of the ball with Ramondre Stevenson. They've got some really good young defensive backs. I think they're getting it done with less on defense. Um, I think Belichick is is showing his true greatness here. And, and I think the Patriots are going to be a team to beat in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be with under Zappy or Mac Jones. I think they got a little battle there, but Belichick, the way he is coordinated his secondary um, and the way that the, the level he's gotten his run game going to the offensive line and the holes that they're opening for Stevenson. Yeah. It's bill Belichick. I think this is one of Belichick's better coaching performances.
2: I I love that idea because it's sort of like the LeBron, you know, obviously, you know, you're not going to give MVP to LeBron, you know, when he was the best player in the league for however long it was, it's like, you know, you get fatigue. Belichick could win coach of the year, you know, every year, but I mean, he's maybe only won it one or two times max. Um, So I love the idea of him, him getting it this year. Also after everyone clowned him for his draft and picking Cole strange. Who's just a good starting guard. Now, uh, you know, they, they, they clowned him for a lot of his picks, you know, Jack Jones, like, you know, we mentioned him up there with defensive rookie of the year. Taekwon Thornton. Now looks like he's going to be a problem. Uh, Bailey Zappy. Uh, the, I, 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 I'm I'm totally pro Belichick. I really would be actually pretty happy if he ended up uh, getting it this year. He, he he deserves it. Also, you know, everyone made fun of. Oh, who's their offensive coordinator? You know, the rocket scientist, or is it Joe Judge? Well, you know what? They got they. They already found an identity this early in the year, and uh, yeah, he he should be commended for that.
1: They got a lot of rookies here too. They got Jack Jones, they've got uh, Bailey Zappi, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, Cole Strange. I mean, uh, Tyquan Thornton. I mean, he's he's injected a lot of young players. They've also had some injuries. They're starting quarterbacks down. Uh, He picked up Devontae Parker in the offseason. Now he's getting Parker to play for him a little bit. Um, They're getting good run out of their O line. They're just Good enough on defense they're well coordinated on the back end yeah give me belichick give me belichick i don't know how it's going to go from here but i expect them to be a playoff team and i would not be surprised if they upset somebody
2: in the afc playoffs the last very last award i wanted to touch on is comeback player i thought there i got mixed up i thought there was a most improved but that's just the nba um comeback player I'm going to have to go Saquon uh, another way of rewarding the giants and just how well he's looked. And I thought he was cooked uh, after all that years of injury. Uh, I just don't know. Is, is Gino Smith, like, can you call him comeback player? I'm not sure, but he, if there was a most improved, he would have to get it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Gino is, is playing at a really high level, but what's he coming back from being bad, you know? I mean, (laughs) um, so, but I mean, who else is on the comeback list this year? uh the comeback bosa, list right do oh, uh, no, not no post uh, no, played. play who, who who's who's on the comeback player of the year oh, that bosa was on that list last year
2: uh it was like it's like uh i'm looking it up right now but i know it's like robert woods is in there christian mccaffrey's in there um actually i mean brian robinson is technically sort of in there just i mean the guy He's coming back. I mean, I don't, he wasn't. I, mean, I might go exactly.
1: with Marcus Mariota, just the way Mariota played. I mean, he, you know, talk about a guy that you know nobody really wanted. He didn't get a huge deal to go to Atlanta, and uh, look at the look at the level he's playing at right now. He was yeah. perfect last week.
2: Yeah, I, it, I mean, I think that's yeah. I, I actually don't see him all that high up on the uh, odds, but that would be that would be a nice little pick. I mean, I think Barkley, if they keep winning and uh Barkley stays healthy I do kind of feel like it's going to be him but um yeah I mean it's, right, it's and like, last
1: one why don't we go with the last one here what who's the what's the most disappointing player or team through one-third of the season most disappointing team in the
2: NFL most most disappointing team I think has to be the Broncos um uh, just to mix it up because I could go Russ for the player as well i'm gonna go baker mayfield just i think he has a 16 qbr um obviously he's out now but just about as disappointing as it could could have possibly been i actually kind of feel bad for the guy like he's you know was in line for you know potentially playing for a contract so yeah I'd, i'd probably have to go bake I'm going to go with
1: the Raiders. I mean, come on. The Raiders added Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones. They added New England's, you know, a couple, you know, a front office from New England. Uh, They're trying to change their culture and they're off to a one and four start. They're 0 and three on the road. They're 1 and one at home. Um, They're 1 and two in the division. Uh, they've been outscored on the year. They, they just, it just, they just don't, they do, you know, some teams do what they need to do to win. The Raiders do what they need to do to lose. Yes. They had a fourth and one the other day and they threw down the field to two receivers that collided uh, in midair uh, and, you know, and, and, and cars started calling for a penalty. So, I mean, the Raiders are, you know, seemingly new market, new coach, new regime, still a circus. The, uh, one and four out of the shoot easily one of the most talented one and four teams the league has seen in recent memory i'll go with the raiders as the most disappointing
2: and then i mean i don't think that it'll last so there i don't think that there's any point in saying them but i think packers and rams also got to be mentioned you know both three and three but like about as disappointing as you could have expected coming into the year No question, no question, especially the Packers. Um,
1: Packers supposedly better on defense, but Rodgers is looking very old. And he misses Devontae Adams. You know, they always say in, in uh, football, you know, in free agency, the impact of free agency would be that guys would leave teams and they wouldn't be as impactful on the team that they go to as they, as, as, as they would be missed by the team they left. And it is really because of continuity. And, um, and you're seeing it uh, with Green Bay. And Devontae Adams, he's gone to the Raiders. He has not improved the Raiders significantly. And the Raiders are not significantly better because of the presence of Devontae. But his departure has has hurt Green Bay tremendously, profoundly. So, um, you know, perfect example of why free agency really doesn't work that well in the NFL. Because, you know, he, he got paid a lot of money and now you get two disappointed teams. The team that he left and the team that he went to.
2: Uh, yeah. And also all the more reason to look at Russell Wilson. Cause how about, I mean, I, I, totally agree with what you're saying. Almost always it's, it's more difficult for the team that they, that they leave yet. Somehow, uh, this team is, is, has a better offense than they did last year with Geno Smith. <laughs> it seems like they may have uh, picked the wrong Seattle quarterback. Gino's
1: played really, really, really well. I mean, if there's one thing that has been the surprise to me in the first part of the season, it's Gino Smith. Gino Smith is completing 73% of his passes. He has nine touchdowns, he has two picks. Now, he's been sacked 14 times. So it's not like he's back there just, you know, having a nice walk in the park. But man, he is playing, the ball's coming out on time with accuracy. He's shown great leadership, uh, he's learned that offense and seattle's probably going to be a playoff team in a year where they were kind of throwing the year away in a rebuild mode um you know they everybody are are you trading for jimmy are you going to add a quarterback and pete kept saying in july and august we like gino we like gino um and now we're seeing why gino's playing well he's got good stature he's got good athleticism and he's been accurate
2: Got to give you credit, Larry, uh, you you were pounding. I don't know if you said it on this podcast, but on the YouTube show, you've been you, before the season, you were saying your favorite over was Seattle over four and a half. They're already almost home uh, and you like the Rams to miss the playoffs. So good on you.
1: Yeah, the Rams are just thin, and the Rams have O line problems. And then you know they sold out last year to win the Super Bowl. They got almost a perfect bill of health from their top players, and they were just kind of bound to. They were bound to be more hurt this year. And then they're so top heavy with their stars at the top of the roster that their depth is is striking. And so you know I think the Rams are are going to get. And they they lost somebody else again this week. I think nota boom. Um, the Rams I think are. Going to get progressively worse as the season goes on. Now they may less need is big on trades, and who knows? Maybe they'll make a big play for Christian McCaffrey or Brian Burns or you know something to you know improve the very top of their roster. They seemingly have no end to the number of moves they can make to to bolster the top end of their roster. Um, but I just think at the end of the day they'll be too thin. And as the season gets closer to January, that that relative lack of depth, I think, is going to burn them.
2: Absolutely agree. Uh, that was fun. I'm excited to do that again in uh, another quarter, another third of the way through the year.
1: There you go. We're one third of the way through. And then also, we were going to hit on, you know, the NFL trade deadlines coming up first oh, week yeah. in November. And so we're now heading into the third week in October. So we're in the next two weeks, we are going to hear more and more about trades in the NFL. And they're not common, but like the 49ers have, John Lynch has been very active in the trade market. A couple of years ago, he traded for Jordan Willis, um, recently traded for Charles O'Menehue, both times giving away like day three picks, late day three picks and adding to his roster. Um, you know that's there's been a lot of speculation about Christian McCaffrey there's been a lot of speculation about uh, Brian Burns will Carolina Panthers uh, and Scott Fitter have a fire sale now that they've changed out their head coach and are looking to the future uh, there's a number of teams around the NFL that are looking to bolster their talent um, and you know the 49ers might be right in the mix now one of the most interesting we talked to Cam Inman today the San Jose Mercury News and he commented we all kind of laughed about it, that the story came out that the 49ers and Rams both have interest in Christian McCaffrey. And the word that was used was the 49ers and the Rams have been implicated in the Christian McCaffrey rumor mill. So I thought that was interesting. They used the word implicated. Um, but why don't we start right there and, and get a thought on that with the trade deadline coming down. Um, what is the 49ers biggest need? If you could add one piece to their puzzle that would help them, you know, bolster them and fortify them for a run at the, the Super Bowl, they're trying to get that sixth Super Bowl for the trophy case who would you who would you go after what's the position of need they got a lot of injuries it's a it's a it's a roster that's obviously in flux because every game new guys go down and other needs pop up and um and then some of the depth players play well and then certain needs are not as severe as others so that all being said would you, tr- is Christian McCaffrey the the number one target of the 49ers in the trade market? Do you think John Lynch will be
2: active? Uh, and if it's not McCaffrey, what's the number one need for the 49ers? Uh, for me, I mean, I just, uh, oof, I, I get some blood flow going when I think about McCaffrey in this offense and the interchangeability of him as a receiver and a running back uh, to go along with Debo and Ayuk and these guys, however, I mean, uh, like cam Minman was saying you know elijah mitchell's coming back what the only okay for mccaffrey to become their number one need i think that they would need debo to be out for the year if debo was out for the year uh that would be such a big jenga piece uh and their offense would become we'll so knock on wood on that separate. one yeah that that then there we're all of a sudden we can start having discussions about christian mccaffrey being need, need numero uno uh however I like the idea of looking at the Panthers. Obviously, you know, they're, this is kind of a lost year. Uh, They're going to be, they're, they're okay with moving some guys. I want Derek Brown. Give me Derek Brown. The D tackle. Yes. Uh, Burns would be unbelievable. It'd be amazing. However, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, if you go replacement level uh, in terms of their ends, like they have so many edges uh has been incredible uh especially from what i uh was expecting i mean i still like to drake jackson just keeps coming on so i think they they have enough depth there mean uh give me a d tackle give me somebody to plug the middle to hedge if armstead isn't back i'm not really counting on kinlaw at this point but we all saw how big of a How important it was to have DJ Jones there in the middle, and like I was saying about Big Jordan Davis, uh, I, I, I mean, also you know Burns is going to fetch a higher price. Uh, McCaffrey is going to fetch a higher price. I don't know what you'd have to give up to get, um, to. Uh, to get uh, sorry, my now I'm playing Brown. Derrick yeah, Brown. I mean he's on his
1: rookie deal, so you probably yeah. are going to have to give up a lot. Um, he was he's you he know was a great player in the SEC. He was the SEC defensive player of the year his final year at Auburn. He he's a he's a major talent, and he stays healthy for the most part, and he's good against the run in the pass. I love Derek Brown, and I would I would fully endorse Derek Brown. Um, you're right. There you know Samson Ebucum Drake Jackson, Nick Bosa, Charles Mennehieu, Kamoko Teray, Car. Heider. all those guys can play the edge But if you're looking inside You got Kinlaw may not come back Armstead sounds like he's got a Severe case of plantar fasciitis And he may not uh, make a huge Impact the rest of the way so you're really Thin and you got Kevin Givens And Akeem Spence and Asan Ridgeway And they're all decent players but there's No difference maker There that you know You're really depleted there So Derek Brown would be I would agree With you I think that would be a phenomenal add The other one is corner. You know, you lost Emmanuel Mosley. You lost him for the year. So William Jackson of the commanders, uh, the former Houston Cougar corners, got good size, good speed. um, And they're shopping him in D.C. And you probably get him for a late round pick. And if you could get William Jackson and play him outside and then use Lenore and the nickel, uh, you still got Ambry Thomas and you still got Womack. But and you got Charvarius Ward, uh, Jimmy's Jimmy Ward coming back. They look good. They're fortified at safety with Fonga, yes. Jimmy Ward, Tayshawn Gibson, Tarvarius, George Odom. They got they got bodies there, and they look deep on the corner. And you still have Verrett and Dante Johnson there. But man, when you when you lack corner, especially you know uh, in a division that has Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins. DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett uh, you know you, in the playoffs you're going to have to maybe go up against Justin Jefferson um, you know that that you know if you get the Bills or the Chiefs you're going to wind up with some big time receivers and quarterbacks and defending the pass is going to be essential so I'll say corner William Jackson the third if you could get a guy like that uh, but I agree with you wholeheartedly Derek Brown it would be a phenomenal addition and I'd be willing to trade a day two pick for Derek Brown and more of a day three pick for William Jackson and if I could get both I'd go get both why because I think they I think if you really want to achieve your goals uh, in today's day and age of football when everybody's just so after it and so competitive I think you have to sprint towards it I think you need to sell out to get there this is a roster that's ready made to go to the Super Bowl your best player is Trent Williams he's 33 years old uh, tomorrow's promise to nobody the window closes very fast in the NFL you got- got a roster full of talent you got Jimmy on a one-year deal you may need to invest in the next couple years developing Trey Lance you made this this may be your best chance to win a Super Bowl in the next two three years so I would absolutely say seize the moment go for a Derek Brown go for a corner like William Jackson III fortify yourself as much as you possibly can and make a run because right now Kansas City looks great Buffalo looks terrific, but there isn't that team in the NFC that you're sitting there. And I don't care. You can talk about the Eagles all you want. The Niners don't fear the Eagles. The Niners could go into Philly in the playoffs and slap the Eagles around. I'm confident of that. The Niners don't fear Dallas. They don't fear Minnesota. They don't fear the Rams. I don't think there's a contender in the NFC that would make the 49ers nervous in the playoffs, whether they played at home or on the road. So it's, it's go time. And if, if you know if, if you're John Lynch and you can fortify your roster and get back to the Super Bowl, um, yeah, you're probably gonna be an underdog in that game if you get into it, but so who cares? You can't win a Super Bowl that you're not in. And if I was him, I would sell out and try to make whatever addition i had to make and and move picks if i have to move picks especially because um, you know Ry, R- 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 we you and i have talked about this look at the 49ers propensity and ability to find day three picks and undrafted free agents that can impact their situation they're so good at it now that i really think that this is a perfect time to invest you know some of the day one and day two draft capital that they have left for more of a sure thing because if you if you add Derrick Brown and you add a good corner, that's a sure thing. You don't know what you're going to turn those picks into. You may hit, you may miss. History says that it's about a maybe sixty percent chance that you'll hit, but that means there's a forty percent chance you'll miss. So I, I I personally think this is the right time uh, for Lynch to to make that extra step, and I think there'll be a number of options in the trade market, and I hope he pursues one or two of
2: them. Uh, I think you're dead on. Uh, about the fact that they don't fear anyone. I think if you got truth serum in those guys and in the guys in the locker room and you ask them, what team do you fear? What do you fear going into the playoffs? I think that the, the God's honest truth would be the only team they fear. The only thing that they fear is, th- get is their own players getting injured. And when we talk about edge and we already talked about, you know, there's, They have a ton of guys and a ton of depth and the drop-off's not that huge. Um, You have to go through their roster and be like, okay, you know, if they lost one more person at position X, uh, what would that do to this team? Well, I I think that corner you're so spot on because I think that corner uh, mostly was so dang good. uh, And Charverius Ward has been so incredible That it's it's like almost like a double drop off losing Mosley because now it's like obviously they're just teams are just no longer going to even throw at at uh, at Ward they're just going to completely ignore him they're going to pick on whoever's over there whether it's Womack or Lenore Um, they need another guy Uh, they need another guy that can kind of fortify that outside corner position and especially I mean God forbid this groin injury lingers and all of a sudden Ward. Uh, you know has to miss some more time you know that's when it starts to get a little little dicey all of a sudden there is a glaring weakness on this 49ers defense and something to attack so i think that you're you're dead nuts on they really should be looking for a corner
1: and they got a lot of good looking corners uh, but they're young you know lenore yeah. young ambry young samuel womack young or they're old Dante Johnson, a little bit older, Jason Verrett, older, more brittle. Um, so, you know, they 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 could use a good sized corner in the prime of his career to add to that room just because they lost Mosley. So Derek Brown would be my first choice, but maybe William Jackson would be my, my second choice or any top tier corner or size that they could get that could impact their situation. Um, and, and uh, the, you know, up front, it's always nice to have Brian Burns. Don't get me wrong. I'd yeah. love to have Brian Burns. And, you know, I, I would love to, to steal Terrace Marshall away from Carolina. Cause I really think that Terrace Marshall could be an outstanding big slot you know, and and could really be great on a 49er team. I think Terrace Marshall has played with bad NFL quarterbacks. And I think if he gets on a team with a good NFL quarterback um, and other options and other weapons, I think he could really be a nice factor for a team. But yeah, uh, Derek Brown or a corner would be absolutely at the top of the list.
2: All right. And then with that, uh, I guess, well, we're about an hour and seven minutes in, so we'll we'll make this speedy. But uh, yeah, thoughts on thoughts on the Chiefs game. Line opened up at three. It's already moved to two and a half. I actually, Lair, not to to do a little bragging. I mean, you know, I've given you your props. You've had some unbelievable calls this year. I actually on this podcast, I'm five and one picking against the spread for the Niners. So hopefully that continues because I want to go with the Niners this week I think that the adjustment that was made. I think if you made this line the week before the Falcons if you don't consider all the injuries I think that the Niners would be favored by maybe a half a point at home or it'd be a pick em game the fact that it's at three shows me that people are overreacting to that Falcons game uh yes they it wasn't great um but it's not like, I don't know, it's not like that Falcons game revealed some crucial flaws in this Niners team. It mostly just they had a great game plan. Uh, some things went against them and they had a bunch of injuries. Well, they're getting, it looks like they're going to get Trent Williams back. It looks like they're going to get Nick Bosa back. It looks like they're going to get uh, our guy, Jimmy Ward back in the club. Uh, so I, I think that People are – they're a little – people are starting to feel a little skittish about the Niners, uh, and, you know, everyone just saw the Chiefs go up against Patty Mahomes and the boys – I mean, sorry, go up against Josh Allen and the boys and, uh, you know, do a good job. But I think the Niners win this game. I think the Niners win this game, and I think going back to your game plan discussion, I think they – they, they stay true to their identity here. They don't try and do anything too crazy. They don't try and force you know all these explosive plays down the field. The, the dirty little secret with this Kansas City team, and I actually respect the hell out of Andy Reid for making these changes, but without Tyreek Hill, uh, these new receivers they got, Juju's good. Valdez Cantling, a little He's good. Kelsey's good. They don't have the same offense and the same fear factor, the same, oh, my God, they have the ball with 15 seconds left. That's too much time. You saw it in the Buffalo game. I don't know about you, but when they got the ball back at the end, every other year I'd be like, oh, too much time for Mahomes. I didn't feel like they were going to get anything done. He's clearly doesn't quite have the chemistry with, like, Sky Moore and those guys yet. Um, So I think that if the Niners score – 24 to 28 points. I think that's going to be enough. I think this is going to be a game where Pat, even Andy Reid's going to be running the ball with LL They have a little bit more of that old school West West Coast offense going on this year. Um, I think it's going to be a very close game. Uh, I'm going to pick the Niners to win this one. 24 to 21. Wow
1: okay yeah I, I think this is Going to be an instant classic I Really do uh, Rashard Fenton Rashad Fenton is out at left corner And so you're going to have Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson two Rookie corners going up against IU and Debo and I think that's obviously advantage 49ers So I think the game plan Is going to be you know strong Running game feature the run um, And then the, the Chiefs Have two of the fastest linebackers Some of two of the f- best pursuit players in the entire sport in uh, Willie Gay, the weak side backer and Nick Bolton, the former Missouri tiger who plays the middle. Both those guys can run like the wind. Now it's kind of like in the NBA, you know, leapers like to leap. Guys who block shots like to block shots. Guys linebackers who can run like to run. And I think that, that Shanahan is gonna use the the Willie Gay and the Nick Bolton over aggressive pursuit against them. I think he's gonna fool them. I think he's going to get them out of position. I think he's going to use their speed against them. Um, clearly, they're going to have to get Chris Jones blocked. Now, I mean, the Niners, never can seem like they can block Chris Jones. It's more so it a problem
2: all starts.
1: he against the Niners. He looks like mean Joe green and Aaron Donald all wrapped into one. He wears 95. He's the right defensive tackle. He ruined the super bowl. uh, He caused an interception in the first half. They, he was totally unblockable. He bats down like three or four passes every time he plays the 49ers. So you have to block Chris Jones and he's on the same side as Frank Clark. And they play games up front and they're both deadly. So Jones and Clark need to be blocked up front. But I think Shanahan can 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 pick on Gay and Bolton and use their speed against them. I think he can pick on Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson, the rookie DBs, and, and make plays to Ayuk and Debo against those guys. Um, they're going to have to defend Kelsey. I don't really love the receivers outside of Kelsey. I think Juju can be covered. Hardman's just a guy. Marquez Valdez Scantling has horrendous ball skills. He drops half the passes that are thrown his way sky moore's nice but he's not ready yet uh so i i really think that they'll they'll do a good job on edwards they'll put some pressure on on uh, mahomes he's gonna make some plays for sure and escape contain but i like the 49ers to do what they want to do a little bit more offensively against this chief's defense and i think they'll as i said i think they'll use gay and bolton speed against them uh, and I think they'll pick on those young corners with uh, with veteran receivers. So I like the 49ers to win, but I think this is going to be an all timer. And I'm going to say this is 21 20 49ers by one.
2: I love it. And you know what the spotlight is going to be on this game because it's if you look at the slate. Uh, I was saying uh, earlier this week. You know if if you if you're if your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or husband if they're getting on you about watching too much football and you know they they're like come on it's it's every Sunday you're going to be watching all this football you know what Do, do yourself a favor earn some favor points uh with 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 the uh significant other and watch this Niners game and then go, go to the pumpkin patch, go apple picking, uh, go, go get some quality time with the family. Cause this is the only game in town this weekend. It's, it's just a crap slate. So, uh, I mean, I'll be glued to my TV all day, but, uh, you know, that's cause my girlfriend's in LA. So but for go. everyone else, yeah, I, I'd recommend it.
1: So for all to sum that up, watch the Niners and meet Ryan at the pumpkin patch, <laughs> there you go. And tip your patch, tip your patch worker.
2: Got to tip your patch through. Got to
1: tap your, you got to not tap, but tip your patch worker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to do it. Uh, thanks to everybody involved on the Tales from the Bay podcast. Rye, good stuff. We will do it again next week.
2: It's time to get to uh, the guest for this week's uh, Tales from the Bay pod. Paul Hope. Uh, at 49er faithful uk he runs all the social media um we were so stoked to have you man uh first of all thanks for taking time out of your early morning and uh larry and i we would have stayed up till 3 4 a.m if it if it meant i mean the the amount of dedication you have staying up for all these niner games it's the least
0: we can do (laughs) oh no i really appreciate when you when you were emailing the times i was a bit i was prepared the same way to get up three, four o'clock yeah. in the morning. So it was I was grateful this time that you guys have stayed up because it was appreciated. So thank you for having me on. It's a huge honor.
1: Well hey, thanks for coming on. And and Paul, tell us a little bit about the watch party in Leeds. But before we get into the watch party, tell us about your NFL fandom because um I I'm always interested to know how, you know, NFL fans in the in the UK how do they you know become nfl fans have you been a niner fan all the way through give us your your story on how you became an nfl fan and and what teams you've been rooting for through the years
0: well you'll be pleased to know that i've always been a 49ers fan so as soon as i discovered the nfl it's got progressively bigger over here with the international games and um, with the sky sports coverage so about 10 years ago i actually worked with a chicago bears fan and we were due to play them on a Monday night. And he was talking at work about coming in late the next day. And I was like, Why are you coming in late? And he was like, Well, because the game doesn't start till one in the morning. You should watch it. And it was the game where Kaepernick had started after oh, the Alex no Smith concussion. So stayed up. I didn't understand what a first down was, I didn't understand what a sack in the quarterback was. And I was just hooked, Larry. And the next morning I walked to work and we had a sports shop that had a sale on hats. And there was a 49ers hat, half price. And I thought, that's a sign if I've ever seen one. Put the hat on, walked into the office. And my friend, who was a Bears fan, was like, you've got your team. And that was the year when, obviously, we got to the Super Bowl. We got beat by the Ravens. And again, the next day, I was walking to work and had my 49ers hat on. Because you always represent whether you win or lose. And some guys heckled me on the street and I found myself in the northeast of England defending my team and from <laughs> then on. I've never missed a game, um, no matter what time of the night. I mean, supporting the 49ers this year, we only had two six o'clock games, which was week one against the Bears and obviously Sunday with the watch party. So the rest of our games now will be 9.25, 1am. So it means waiting up till um, early hours of the morning in the UK.
1: Uh, Paul, are you aware of, were you aware at the time when you became a 49er fan of their iconic status of, of their history of Joe Montana, of Steve Young, of Ronnie Lott, of Jerry Rice, or was it simply, Hey, you know what? It was bears Niners that night and you were in the right place at the right time. How, how aware of Niner history were you when you became a fan?
0: I think everybody in the UK knows Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, um, I obviously did a little bit of research after that night about the team and obviously why would they be my team. Um I quite like the colour red. I quite like the fact that California seems to be a nice place to visit. But um growing up in the, I'm 42, so obviously in the 80s, you're very aware. The coverage wasn't great back then, but obviously you always seem to see the Super Bowl winning teams. Sure. My earliest memory will be the 94 team. Um, I was 14 at the time. And I remember seeing some coverage and some newspaper cuttings. So I always felt like when I decided to go all in on the NFL, that that was kind of the team that I wanted to pick. And I quite liked that I was picking them when they weren't really being as successful. So I suppose I said we went to the Super Bowl that year. In my fandom, Larry, I've seen two Super Bowl losses, which have been horrific because of the time of the morning the finish. But uh, I'm in it for the long haul. And I'm very confident that we will see number six very soon. Awesome. Now, who's your premiership team? I was just saying to um, Ryan off air, I don't watch the English Premier League. I just literally focus on the 49ers. I watch the 49ers. I read the 49ers. We have our own podcast on the 49er Fairfield UK, running the social media. Bear in mind, I have three girls. I have a full-time job. (laughs) But um, our social media following has grown because I was saying to Ryan Larry, I ruptured my Achilles tendon in January.
2: So oh, no. obviously
0: um it's a bit of a funny story. Never played a down of football. Decided in January to go and play for my local flag football team. First oh, training non-perf. session I broke, <laughs> on turf, yeah. First <laughs> training session, I broke my finger trying to catch the ball. Um second session, I went to do some running and my Achilles tendon ruptured. So I'm thankfully back. I'm back playing flag football. It hasn't put me off, but it meant I had a lot of time. The only downside, Larry, was my good friend Lee Gowland, who runs the 49er Fairfield UK with me, we got invited to the draft in Vegas by Nick Clark. Right, I couldn't fly because, obviously, I was on medication and, and, and the boot. And Lee got to announce the Sammy Warmack pick on stage at the draft. So as you can imagine, Lee's a bit of a, a local celebrity in the UK. He's got himself a Warmack jersey. So that just sent our group through the status because seeing our president on stage, Larry, you know, The way he strolled out and he announced that pick, Sammy Womack is a firm favorite. I think there's four jerseys already in the group. That's awesome.
2: We actually talked to him today. I know. I wish I knew this beforehand so that we could have rolled some, uh, asked him some questions like literally related right to you. But yeah, we had our, our longest interview of the day today it was with uh, Sammy Womack.
0: Oh, well, that'll definitely, I mean, with the relationship we've got with Gridiron, we, we do retweet your stuff. Obviously, I know people do watch the show. So on Sunday, I was telling people there may be a possibility that you guys were going to have little old me on. So everyone was excited. Added oh, yeah. to Sammy Womack. that will be a very watched episode in the UK. I can promise.
1: That is awesome. How would you describe the NFL's growth in the UK from from when you became a fan? Just you know, a few years ago when they were taking on the Ravens, I think that was 2013. Here we are; it's almost a decade later. In fact, believe it or not, that that team will be honored uh, yeah. Sunday at the 10 year anniversary of that Jim Harbaugh team that made it to the Super Bowl against the Ravens and it was first in. Go on the five, and they threw fades to Crabtree instead of running Kaepernick and running Gore. And I sat there in that in that Superdome, going, "What is going on?" But uh, how would you describe the the growth? Um, like, is there anything that you can point to that tells you that there's been serious inroads as far as growth and popularity for the NFL in the UK?
0: Yeah, so I'm chuckling because that Super Bowl. I thought I was the only fan in the UK watching that game. And the lights went off at half time. We were terrible in the first half. And then I honestly thought we were winning the Super Bowl. But the comeback in that second half, and like you said there, Kaepernick was my first love in the NFL. He was my first jersey. Um, so to answer your question in a roundabout way with merchandise, back then I didn't know where you could get merchandise from. I thought you'd just have to buy it all online, ship it in from the States. If you came over to the UK today, Larry, whatever city you walked around, you would see NFL merchandise. You would see people wearing hats. You'd see people wearing jerseys. You can't go anywhere without bumping into an NFL fan. And what I love about the culture in the UK is the rivalry isn't the same as the Premier League rivalry. So we had our watch party on Sunday in Leeds. The 49ers are trying to grow that relationship. And those Leeds United fans there, because they had some ex-Leeds United players, And there was the rivalry with Manchester United and all the singing the shouting. But at the watch party, there was a Seahawks fan. There was a Dallas Cowboys fan. There was a Green Bay Packers fan. And the Leeds fans couldn't understand how we could sit and watch football together and we could talk football. And there's none of that um, bitter rivalry is the word I'd use. The international games have been a massive help. I mean, I don't know if you guys see every jersey's represented. It's a big... When I first got into the sport, my only regret is the year after the Super Bowl, the 49ers came over to play the Jags at Wembley. Right. My daughter was only six months old at the time and she was born with a hole in her heart. I'm living in the northeast of England, I decided not to go, naively thinking they'd be back again. So I've already told the missus, the kids, next time the 49ers are in London, no matter what we've got on that weekend, I'll be going. And you just see the watch party. Now, when Nick Clark reached out to us on Sunday, before Sunday, and asked about the watch party, we didn't think for a million years we'd have Gridiron there, we'd have Sky Sports there. And Sky Sports stayed the whole night. It wasn't like the filmed a quick 10-minute section and then went. They stayed the whole night. And um, Phoebe Schechter, who's quite big in the UK, she mingled with the fans. Will Gavin definitely left that event on Sunday with a lot more people following on social media. (laughs) And he was, he was amazing. He didn't just sit up in the VIP section. He was in the middle with all those fans. He was going through all the emotions, but I am fantasy football has helped Larry. Red zone on a Sunday is massive in the UK. So a lot of fans do get into the game with Scott Hansen and that seven hours of commercial free football and with all the action. And then when you progress to picking a team, and then you go and watch a game and you start to finally understand why the defence celebrates sacking the quarterback on third and long and you know why your muffed punt is so important. And there's all these terminologies that I can use now where people think, what is he talking about if you stood in the playground? At the school run there, I've got a friend who's a Rams fan, a Cowboys fan, a Bears fan. And we've just had a, d- a quick 10-minute chat about the NFL this week's games coming up.
1: That's awesome. In fact, my 13-year-old loves the red zone. And he'll say, Dad, Dad, come in here. And I'll say why. He's like, It's the witching hour. The witching hour. <laughs> it's the witching hour. And I'm like, well, the witching hour? What's the, the witching hour? And he's like, and you know, Scott. Awesome. Yeah. Scott Hansen or whatever his name is, uh, you know, throws it out. And it's the witching hour. Uh, that show has become uh the red zone has become probably the most you know, watch thing. I mean, fantasy's exploded um, and the red zone's a great way to kind of watch the entire league. So, yeah, um, I find myself watching two things, the Niners all the way through and I don't like to switch channels or I'll go red zone if they're not on and I want to watch the whole league. But it is incredible to hear, uh, you know, UK fans talk about kind of the organic growth of the of the sport. Where do you see the NFL, and as far as popularity in the UK, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, is there a way for you to kind of look at the indicators that you see when your boots on the ground there and see the way the sport's being reacted to even differently over a five-year span and kind of project out 10 years, 20 years and what you think it may look like in the UK?
0: Yeah, so first of all, I'm just going to chuckle. I'm in a group chat with 12 good friends who support different teams. And at 8.30 in the UK, Larry, when the witching hour starts, we all drop the witching hour memes and gifts <laughs> in the group chat. It's just become a, a weekly thing. Um, but I want to answer your question as well, you've got to give the NFL credit. I mean, at the International Series games this year, they flew over the Good Morning Football crew and stationed them at London Bridge. The actual presence of the NFL, you've got the Tottenham Stadium. So you've got the... NFL got a shop there full-time. The fact that we had our watch party, I also know that the Vikings had a huge presence when they were here. The Green Bay Packers, given it was their first visit, that game pretty much looked like a home game. And the Giants fans that went there have said it was just yellow and green and the noise in the stadium was unbelievable. And... Um, I don't know about having a UK franchise, if I'm being honest, and I might be controversial. I'm a 49ers fan. It wouldn't matter to me if living in Middlesbrough, they put an NFL team in the Middlesbrough stadium 20 miles down the road. I'm going to be a 49ers fan. I've invested far too much time, emotions on the emotional rollercoaster That's being a 49ers fan. It was interesting to hear the commissioner talk about a division in Europe, maybe four teams. I do think that's the long-term aim because the game is getting massive, not just in the UK. You look at the Germany fan base. Um, I've got a friend who's a Buccaneers fan. And he was trying to get tickets over in Munich. It's actually cheaper for him to go to Baltimore this weekend, which he's doing, to watch a game than it was wow. to go to Munich because those tickets went crazy. In our group, in the 49er for UK, we've got a, a large German contingent. So the name does obviously say 49er for UK, but we're open to any fans that want to join and Why is game. it so popular in Germany, do you believe? I do believe the World Series game. So when you had the London Monarchs and you had some of the other teams based over there.
1: Berlin, and I think, Thunder, yeah.
0: And I think as well with the NFL, with the, with the internet, I was saying I watch it on Game Pass. I watch NFL Network all week long, where maybe 10 years ago, I'd have had to wait till a Sunday and watch whatever Sky Sports gave me. The fact that you've got YouTube, you've got Twitter, um, I know... Myself on Twitter, I follow all the 49er content creators. I'm up to date with all the news as what I can be. So I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger. And I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL moved around the country. So I think the 49ers were quite clever, Larry, with going to Leeds. They could have gone to London. Don't get me wrong, London would have been an awesome experience. But actually putting that exposure in the northeast of the country. But we had um, uh, one of the group got up at 4am on Sunday morning from Brighton to get the bus to come to Leeds. We had a massive content creator, Chrissy, based in Italy, fly over to Leeds from Italy to join us at the party. And Nick Clark and Ali Dickin from the 49ers deserve all the credit because they put all the hard work in. And if you look at the footage, Larry, we saw Salvador Sam. We actually yes. had Salvador Sam at the party. I, I've
2: actually I just put together a little slideshow of some of your uh, photos. I'll, I'll, I'll run them as we uh, continue talking. Look how cool that is. You know, what we got to do, too, is we um, right now I'm wearing a Krug show
1: T-shirt. We got to get you a T-shirt of the Krug show, which is our YouTube channel. Um, and we do tons of 49 er stuff on there. We put all of our 49er interviews that we did today. We'll put them on there over the next 24 hours. We got to we got to get uh, Paul a Krug Show T-shirt out in the mail, right? We got to get one to him and and start growing the Krug Show internationally because it is on YouTube and and YouTube is a way of kind of uh, bringing a lot of people together on the NFL even on dif- even on different continents. Yeah, it looks like a great time. Absolutely, oh. it looks like a great time. Now this was in a bar. People were having a good time. How many people do you think showed up at the watch party?
0: We had about 250. So wow. Week, week one was supposed to be the official watch party against the Bears at the same right. venue you're looking at now. And obviously with the sad passing of the Queen, the they postponed the official side. But because we'd all paid to travel and we, we spoke to Nick Clark, we went ahead with the unofficial watch party, but it wasn't promoted. But I think that showed the 49ers that this event will be successful. And Sunday, just gone, Nick Clark there and Ali Dick and they got the crowd going. They, they, they did giveaways, which to answer your question, everybody loves a freebie. So we all came away with a load of swag. They did four signed football giveaways. They did a, um, a jersey giveaway. And the interaction and what you'll have seen is even though we lost, we're faithful. We, we, we're not glory supporters, the 49ers. We, we know you go through the ups and the downs. And like we said on our podcast last night, we're still three and three. We're still first in the division. And let's face it, I wouldn't put it past us to beat the Chiefs on Sunday because that's just what the 49ers do. Yeah, we just went on
2: giving our predictions and we're going to want to hear yours, but that's kind of what we said. It's sort of, if you've been watching this team, especially under Shanahan, you know, sometimes they play down to the competition, but more times than not, they get up for these big games. And actually, I had a specific question for you, Paul. Because I thought it was really cool, the, the fact that you're saying you kind of joined on the Kaepernick year. So, you know, I just turned 27 last week. So, you know, I kind of felt I didn't get to have these glory years of the, of Joe Montana and Steve Young. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a Super Bowl in my lifetime. So I really fell in love with the Niners, a deep, deep love, you know, when Harbaugh got there. So I was right in that same experience. So um, we've been I feel like we've been hardcore fans for a very similar period of time and You know, just as a guy relating to you, um, how crazy is it? So you realize every time that the Niners have been in the playoffs, in in that whole run, whatever it's been past, you know, 10, 12 years, they've lost in a close nail-biting game to the eventual Super Bowl champion. Like, they have not gone into the playoffs and got blown out. Like, this team, there is something about the franchise that even when they're down, you know, all of a sudden Kyle shows up uh, you know, and they they have this magical twenty nineteen. It's I always felt like they were going to win all these games. Like there's something kind of magical about that. Sort of this in a similar way that you know we also have in the Bay Area with like the Golden State Warriors in in the NBA, where it just feels I always think they're going to win. Um, and just ha- how has that emotional roller coaster been for <laughs> for you?
0: Well, obviously, given the time difference, sometimes so um we have a Facebook group which is closed to the 49er fans, and we have a game day thread. So normally you're at home on your own, 2 a.m. in the morning. You're chatting on Facebook. You're chatting in the group chat. You've got to be quiet because the wife and the kids are asleep. (laughs) Um, I'm smiling because I've got a good friend, Ryan, who's a Packers fan. And he hates playing us in the playoffs because we always beat them in the playoffs. Um, But I'm well known for being quite positive. So when we do our score predictions each week, I always predict the 49ers win. And I have my red and gold tinted glasses on. It's just the way I, I approach my fandom. I am a fan first and foremost, and I always think we're going to win. Um, but the Super Bowl is quite an interesting one because we always have a Super Bowl meetup. So at the start of the season, we always book a Super Bowl meet-up. No matter who's there, we turn up. The rams patriots bar fest. I think there was eight of us, turned up. But because the social media got behind it, 2019, we booked our Super Bowl meet-up. Then we went 4-0, 5-0, 6-0. And the numbers started going up and up and up because it was obvious we were going to the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl loss to the Chiefs is up there with one of the most bittersweet moments of my life because there were 75 UK 49er fans in a casino in Newcastle and 10 minutes from the end of the game, we were high-fiving, we were bear-hugging, we were like, we've won number six. And then obviously Patrick Mahomes did what Patrick Mahomes does and at 5am, the lights came on and my other half, is not a massive football fan, but she was there with me, she looked around the room and she said, I didn't know what to say to any of you. There were 75 grown men just sat back. But then five minutes later, the positivity kicked in and we were celebrating a good season. And the 2019 year brought our group closer together. So you'll probably remember the Saints game where George yes. had like 10 defenders sure. on him. Oh,
2: my gosh.
0: In the so, Dome. In the Dome. So what we do is we, at the start of the year, before the 49ers got involved, we host an official watch party. So we always pick a game. We pick a city. So that year was the Saints game in Edinburgh. So we took over a sports bar like we did in Leeds and there was a couple from New Orleans honeymooning and they'd reached out to you on social media and said, can we watch the game with you guys, thinking there's going to be four or five of us? There were similar numbers to what was there on Sunday and they have become friends for life. They were blown away that there was a sports bar in Edinburgh and there was like 75 to 100 NFL fans going crazy. And the way that game ended, you know, Robbie Gold last second field goal, the George Kittle, diving on top and I think that's why the 49ers have kind of connected with us and they've seen that footage and they've wanted to get a piece of that so that'll grow the game even more but it is interesting that we've been fans at the same time Ryan and when you're talking there like you said Kaepernick was my first love Father's Day this year, my, my other half and the kids found me a Kaepernick bobblehead on eBay, which I didn't know you could get. So on <laughs> Father's Day, I opened up this book. And I've got a glass cabinet that's got signed memorabilia in. It's got trinkets in. My friends who don't like the NFL come around and are like, what's that? And I'm like, what do you mean? What's that? That's a Nick Bosa signed helmet. That's a Colin <laughs> Kaepernick bobblehead. I've got all the bobbleheads from the stadium giveaways because if you can't get out to the States, which yeah. I haven't done yet, that's the next thing on my bucket list is to get out to Levi's. Um, my good friend Lee Gowland, who's the president, is going out for the Saints and Dolphins game. And we've had somebody from our group at every game in the States this season. So you've probably, now you'll know about it, you'll probably see the um, flag. So we have our own flag. Oh, nice. Which the 49ers have kindly allowed us to use the logo and they've obviously used it to promote the game. So um, Wayne Breezy, John Chapman, a, a big part of our group, the content created yeah. John Chapman flies the flag at every one of his um, road trips. And like I said, we've had someone from our group at every game. So the aim, if we can do it, is to get everybody. The only problem might be the commander's game because that's Christmas Eve. So we're not sure.
2: Hey, you know what? If you send a flag out here, we're going to be there covering the game. So...
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. We, we got to come out and party with you guys and and when taking a game, I'll, I'll tell you this too. It's like, I would love to show you guys some of the greatest games in Niner history because, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 52. Um, I became a 49er fan as a little boy. My dad was a 49er fan. He had season tickets in the 1970s. And the entire decade of the 70s, Was just, you'd come home from church on a Sunday, and there would be messages on the answering machine. Do you want tickets? And I, I'm as a little boy, I'd be like, dad, do we want tickets? I'm like, no, you know, we don't want tickets. All right. Okay. You know, and, and it all changed in 1981. You know, Joe Montana shows up. They they go 13 and three. They win Super Bowl 16. They firmly establish themselves as a as a great young team. Then they win Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Super Bowl was at 16. Then they won Super Bowl 19 against the Dolphins in 1984. Uh, they won Super Bowl 20. 23 in 88, Super Bowl 24, and 89, almost got there in 90, and it's and and then one again in 94, the one that you you saw. Um, but <clears throat> so much of the 49 er story um is is about is is you know is about some of these great games of the past. And you know, it's almost like I love every Niner fan over there to be able to see what Joe Montana really was like. Or how hard Ronnie Lot hit people, or how great Jerry Rice truly was, but it is so cool that you guys are all now fans, and and that the that it's growing by leaps and bounds, and it's just a really exciting. And uh, Ryan and I are really excited to be able to cover the sport and bring some coverage to the UK through this podcast, through what we do on YouTube, uh, through what we're doing with Talk Sport and Talk Sport Two, and Ollie Connolly and Will Gavin and. Caleb O'Marris and all the people with the 49ers who have, who have brought this thing uh, along. It's just, it's just been a fun year, and we look forward to doing a lot more. You know, doing interviews every week and bringing you guys content. Hopefully, getting a chance to get on the bird and come out there and and really party with you guys and take in a game and and you know, you guys can see exactly how I'm probably not as as positive as you. I'm probably a little bit more on the negative side, but uh, but I'm an inferno of emotions as well watching some of these games so um I can tell, you didn't even have to tell me, uh, Mark or Paul, that, uh, that will Gavin, you know, was not hanging with the VIP. just talking with him for five minutes. I know that he is a truly a man of the people and uh, you know, he would want nothing more than to, to watch it with the actual real 49er fans. So it sounds like you guys had a great time. The pictures are are very, very cool. And we're just thrilled to be able to, to, you know, to talk Niner football with you to, you know, early this morning here on the, on the, uh, on the podcast.
0: Nah, it's been great. I mean, before we finish off what you'll chuckle, I had a lot of time to start of the year. So I went back and rewatched things on YouTube, Larry. I got yeah. the Bill Walsh score takes care of itself book. Absolutely love that. Read the Steve, um, the Steve Young autobiography and obviously the games at in there. So the great thing with YouTube, I went back, I watched it. I got myself a, a TO jersey off ebay for 11 which to be fair those Reebok jerseys are massive it's like a dress on me (laughs) i've got about 50 pieces of merchandise 20 jerseys um i'm always known for rocking 49er gear win lose or draw and we'd love to have you over but will gavin gave me i mean this is up there when you guys asked me to come on i was blown away i mean i say we do a podcast and i do other shows it's small in comparison it's just fan stuff But Will Gavin had me up on the stage on Sunday, and he didn't just have me there for two minutes. He was talking to me like you guys are. He got me to address the crowd, which was amazing. Stood there looking at all my friends who I coordinate every day, but stood on this side kind of being interviewed. And he was amazing, Will Gavin, as was Ollie Connolly. We did try to turn him to a 49ers fan, but I don't (laughs) think he was having any of it. Who's Ollie's team? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, he kept that very quiet. I, I don't believe it was a Seahawks. I think that was the only thing we said to him was he's not allowed to be a Seahawks fan. Or a um, We're
1: but- gonna have to press him. I'm. I, I. I'm gonna see exactly who he's rooting for. But I know Will's a big Niners fan, and you know, the Niners are are an incredible team to watch. I mean, they're they're an iconic franchise. Uh, there's great history there. Um, there's, there's great stories. Uh, you know, that's part of what we do as covering this team, talking to their alums and telling their story and, and having the ability to tell their story abroad, uh, and, and, and to, to, you know, cultivate the, the incredible, uh, you know, fans that are developing in, in Western Europe. Very, very cool. And, uh, I know I'm excited. I know Ryan's excited to be a part of this and it's just really cool to see people engaged in, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. The NFL is probably one of the most visually compelling forms of entertainment that exists in our world. Um, and, you know, we have other sports in America that are very popular. Baseball is popular here. The NBA is popular here. But as far as the global impact and the growth I think the NFL, as you can kind of tell, is is almost a, a phenomenon unto itself. And uh, it's so cool that it translates, um, you know, in other countries to people that don't necessarily know the history or or know little bits and pieces about it. So I just think it's so cool and I can't wait to see where it goes in the next 20 years.
2: I mean, yeah, and last thing, Paul, before uh, before we let you know, let you go. Uh, I was, we were talking, kicking back and forth the idea of like, how can we figure out some sort of, I don't know, contest or prize or giveaway sort of thing for the, for the 49er, 49er faithful UK group. And, and what I was thinking would be kind of cool. Cause we do every meet every Wednesday and Thursday, we go do open locker room and we try and get as many interviews as possible. And for the most part, we're like, you know, just on the fly having to ask questions and um, you know, it's especially like with guys like Kittle and Debo, you know, it's a little more difficult to go up to those guys unless you're asking for like an ad read or, or you know, for like Sky Sports. But one thing I was thinking is like, it'd be cool if there was like a, we, you know, set up some sort of contest where maybe let's say uh, Joe Smith uh, in the 49er Faithful UK uh, group won it this week. Well, then maybe whoever his favorite player is, we go up to them in the locker room and get them to give that person like shout out joe smith like hey this is george kittle and I'm, i wanted to shout out joe smith and you know i thought that would be really cool and that's something we totally
0: could do so we'll have to be in touch about yeah. figuring something like you've, that out you've got my email details i just wanted to say yeah. larry and ryan um the one shout out i didn't give joe nedney was in leeds as the alumni he was amazing he good friend great hours. man my, what what he spoke about at halftime he addressed the crowd and he was blown away and again like you were asking about growing the sport over here, things like that. He was absolutely fantastic. There was a fan there who'd wrote Joe a letter when he played for the 49ers and he still had the letter and Joe knew who the guy was and they connected. We were obviously getting the photos like you've seen. Joe Nedney gets his phone out and he's like, come here, you run the group, get your flag. And he was taking photos of me, little old me, on his phone and he engaged. He was absolutely amazing. And Great guy. I must translate with the other teams. But, yeah, if you want to run a competition, the 49FA for the UK guys are always up for a giveaway. And social media, I run the Twitter account, so anything you need me to run on there, just drop me a message, and I'm more than happy to promote or tweet or get it going for you guys.
1: Paul, it's been a pleasure meeting you, and uh, go Niners. Yeah. You know, that's that's one thing that, you know, Ryan, and I did, had a, before the Rams game, Paul, we, we decided, hey, you know what? We got a few extra minutes. Uh, we got a, maybe an extra hour or so. Let's go into the parking lot and just start just start partying with the tailgaters. Do, I'm doing shots of Patron. People are bringing us alcohol. People are handing us hot dogs. And, uh, you know, a number of people recognized us and it was just a very cool thing to be out with the mass and uh and just having a good old time and it just that's what it is all about so uh you know very very cool it's always cool and and it's funny you know we so we'd talk we'd be out there you know maybe we'd take a shot maybe we're given getting their prediction and then you know we talk for a few minutes and then it, we'd part with a little fist bump and a go niners go niners and just that just the, the brothership, the kinship of, uh, of, you know, the whole Niner nation. And, and it's just, it brings people together and that is that's probably the coolest part of it and so um you know i'm sure it does the same thing in the uk as it does here it brings people together people that don't know each other people that would never normally talk to each other strike up a conversation and they you know could be friends for life because they've got this common love for this team so awesome stuff loved hearing your stories loved hearing you know the impact that the niners are making in the uk and we we invite you to come back on we'd love to have you on uh you know on this podcast a couple more times between now and the end of the year and and anything that we can do to uh to drive the 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 growth and the brand of 49er football in the uk we're all committed to so thank you very much for joining us
0: you're welcome and i promise next time ryan i'll stay up late so don't worry about it but thank you (laughs) so much
2: i feel like uh this is This is what I needed before going to bed because honestly, that's this is my like first like official year covering a team and especially a team I grew up loving. And I gotta say, talking to guys like Paul, being around, you know, the tailgaters, it's like that's necessary because it's you do get lost in the there's so much cynicism and criticizing, and it's all part of the job, but it's also. You know, it's it, I think people can get a little lost in like, OK, at the end of the day, like this is about community. It's about, you know, shared common interests and being inspired. And so, yeah, this is just a perfect way to go to bed.
1: We'll finish it this way, Paul. A little fist. Go yeah. Niners. Go Niners. Go Niners. <laughs> go Niners. Awesome stuff, Paul. Thank you very much for joining us on the uh, Tales from the Bay podcast, and we wish you nothing but, uh, uh, you know, success. We'll wish our, all of we'll wish all of the Forty Nine er Nation luck, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm expecting. To be in Arizona for the Super Bowl, watching <laughs> my team, and uh, and you know what? What do they say? You know, uh, you know, speak it into existence. Uh, so there you go. Hopefully, we will rekindle and 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 talk maybe before uh, the 49ers play some team from the AFC in Glendale first week in March in Arizona. So, Mark, thanks, or Paul, thanks again for joining us, and and awesome stuff. You're welcome, guys. Thank you.